Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. So we're all about dispelling any sort of fear or uh, lack of understanding when it comes to finances. Now, it's not uncommon to have multiple insurance plans, right? For example, you're a Singaporean or a permanent resident. You might have health insurance coverage under an integrated shield plan. And if you're employed in Singapore, it is likely that you'll also have health insurance coverage under your company's group insurance plan. Now, most people buy an IP because they want what appears to be on offer a higher level of coverage than they may have access to even with their corporate insurance. However, to what extent do you have the right to choose between using your personal IP or your corporate insurance? No one better than our next guest help us break down all the details. Elijah Lee is Senior Financial Services Manager at Philips Securities. Good morning, Elijah. Good morning. Sounding a little raspy this morning because he's not well, (laughs) but we do appreciate you joining us, Elijah. To start off, help us understand if you have more than one policy, right? Um, Mm -hmm. What should some of the considerations be about which to use? Okay, so actually, uh, this is quite a common question I get. It's not exactly uncommon that that people are wondering, but uh, it's just really how the way things are done, especially when you get admitted to a hospital in Singapore, um, is because of the procedure that that this question keeps coming up. So first thing first, I'm actually going to highlight one thing. Um, Actually, if anyone goes to the MOH website and checks, there's actually a very specific question that says that I'm covered by employer medical benefits and and, and, an integrated shoe plan, which, which pays first. Mm. This question that actually be asked that is so common that uh, MOH actually felt it uh, necessary to put this up as an FAQ. And actually, MOH has a protocol. Okay, uh, and I'm going I'm to read it off the website right now. The protocol is that uh, who pays first, right? The first payer actually should be the employer, private insurance or any third party, then followed by MediShield Life or your integrated shoe plan. It's actually been laid out. Mm. Yeah. So, but the issue here is that even though it's employer first and then integrated shoe plan next and then after that many safe and cash, but when you get admitted to a hospital, okay, and, and you get a letter of guarantee and then you, you go for your admission or that, to ensure that the claims are made, right, usually there is something we call an e-filing which occurs so that the claims are actually filed properly and e-filing will trigger the insurer first. So that's why uh, after that, um, you you might get a letter from the insurer saying that uh, we like to we like to do claims recovery if possible from say your employer, mm. and this is why there's always you know it, it should be the the, the um, shoe plan second and your private insurance first, but due to the way claims are made, you end up doing this e filing and then the insurer gets triggered first. Most people buy uh, an IP because they think it might offer better insurance. They think that they're covering themselves for what they want in terms of care. So when they receive that letter, it can be very distressing. A shield claim recovery notice, what is that? Okay, so basically, uh, as I I mentioned earlier, your insurer will typically pay first because that's what happens when you admit to a hospital and you do that e-file and you trigger your insurer. But due to this protocol laid out by MOH that, you know, the first payer should really be the employer of private insurance, uh, after your claims are processed, right, the insurer actually 
has every right to come back to you and ask you, you know, um, are you able to help us to do a claims recovery, which is what you mentioned. And this is where the other insurer, that means your private insurer, your employer's, sorry, your, your employer's uh, insurance, okay, will actually, are actually supposed to refund their share of up to what their claim limit is back to the insurer. So, for example, like, I think if, if we use a, a numerical example, it might be easier. So, let's say uh, your private insurance plan was triggered first and then let's say the claim was 50000 Okay, so your private insurer will actually, your, your shoe plan will actually pay that 50000 And then after that, uh, they come and ask you, you know, um, is there, uh, if you have uh, your own company insurance, uh, uh, please help us to recover that. And let's say your company insurance would be paying maybe a maximum of 10000 Now, it's actually in uh, your interest to actually try and ensure that you speak to your company's insurer and then after that, try and get that 10000 paid back to your private insurer. And for good reason. Because if you do that, okay, it actually helps you to first thing, restore your uh, claim limit on your own private insurance, just in case anything happens. And actually, the second thing, which is actually good for everyone in general, is that if, you know, claims is always, uh, uh, you collect premiums and then claims are paid out. So if in general, uh, the claims paid out by your shoe plan are lower, this will actually result in lower premiums across the board later on for everyone for private insurance, your own personal insurance. So it's always actually, in my view, a good thing that if you can actually recover the claim from your company's insurance, please go ahead and do that. Mm. That's, that's how I see it. So uh, actually this clause about, about you, um, that you should try to get back those claims from your company's insurance, paid back to your own private insurance, is actually a clause that does exist in most shoe plans. I've actually only had time to look at two, but both of them had a clause that um, says that if you have other insurance, you know, try, you should first clear under those policies. But it's just that due to the way claims are made, your insurer, your your shoe plan will just pay first and then they'll come back to you and ask you to make those claims against your uh, own employer's policies, for example. It, it can be rather confusing, I understand, but that's just how it's done here in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, got it. Well, yeah. thank you for being very clear. When Elijah reads off the MOH website, you know, he's <laughs> trying to be very clear. I appreciate yeah, I, that. I, I really want to make no, no, uh, be very clear on this, so I just figured I open up the browser and read out the exact clause in M, uh, from MOH's website. And the issue is actually, um, the insurance industry is actually informed of this claims protocol. So, if you were to go back to your company and tell them that, hey, my I, I was admitted, my personal shoe plan paid first, but they are doing claims recovery, please uh, take note of this. Actually, I will say that your company's insurance insurance would know about this. You know, they should know about this. And what if your company's insurer uh, covers you only for a lesser level of uh, coverage? Say your company's insurance uh, only covers you for uh, restructured hospitals, but you bought a shield plan because it was advertised that you would get a private bed with just uh, so one of you, you in the room. Uh, so then so what do you, you do? Did that, okay, so you did that, right? Uh, ultimately, of course, your shield plan will pay first, as I mentioned, due to the way claims are processed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you at, you at me, you do the e-file, your, your private insurance pay first. You go back to your company insurance, uh, you tell them that claims recovery is happening, let the company insurer talk to your own private insurer and work the things out. This is the, the point where, you know, you, you, you don't really want to get involved because it becomes technicalities. But you are involved, Elijah. You are, you are involved. involved but what if you are left involved? in the lurch? 
So uh, okay, what if you, all the you, minusing leaves you with a, a figure that you then have to fork out out of your pocket or Medisave or something? Okay, this is, I would say this is unlikely to happen because ultimately as your private insurance pay, where your private insurance pay are right, they, they'll pay what they can and usually private insurance claim limits are a lot higher as you mentioned. That's why you got your private insurance plan. That's the now, advertising. If, yeah, that's the advertising. But let's say you get, uh, you, you get your whatever claims paid out, mm. okay, and then you got a little bit of leftover that you can't claim on. Mm. And then your your private insurance still says, um, okay, can we do claims recovery? Go to your company insurance. Uh, mm. Tell them about this claims recovery. They'll, they'll work things out with your private insurance. That, that's the discussion behind the scenes. Mm. And for that little bit that, let's say your private insurer couldn't pay you, mm. maybe your company insurance could still pay you. But if, if it doesn't, you know, usually the out-of-pocket is not a tremendous amount. Is usually kept if, especially you got the pre-authorization for your admission. Okay, thanks, so Elijah. I would say that mm. we we always expect some level of out of pocket, mm. but as long as you've gone through the proper channel, the proper protocol, emergencies notwithstanding, of course, you would generally not be out of pocket by too much. Gone are the days, as we know that you know when shoe plans will pay every cent of your admission. Those days are long over. So I always caution that you know expect a little bit of our pocket but it shouldn't be tremendously uh, a tremendous amount and leave the claims recovery to the discussion behind the scenes between your private insurer and your company insurance but you where you come in is really just to inform your uh, employer that your employee's insurance that you know claims recovery has been called for please speak with my insurer and that's, that's about as far as it goes because you don't really want to get bogged down by the technicalities of what's covered, your prorated and things like that. Thanks, Elijah. Elijah Lee is Senior Financial Services Manager from Philips Securities. We're talking about uncommon and common questions to do with your health insurance, IP in particular. Now, you mentioned the log. Can an insurer yes. issue a log prior to yes. a procedure and then yes. renege on that log? So most people want that pre-hospitalization uh, log because it gives them peace of mind so they can go under the knife without worrying about whether or not they're going to be covered. So the question is, can the insurer then say, no, change our mind, renege? Okay, as far as I'm aware, based on the couple of insurers I spoke to, just to confirm their protocols, they do not retract lock once issue. They don't. But the client has the right to retract a lot if the client itself suddenly wants to back out of the procedure. That's good. You know, but, yeah. but for that, they have to talk to the hospital uh, admissions before before they themselves get admitted. Lah. But usually, I, I can't think of anyone who would really want to back out of a procedure, especially a doctor calls for it. Right. We are not medical yeah. professionals, That's right? True. So, if doctor says, you got to do this, it's probably a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. And then you ask for the law for the admission and all that and mm. once it's issued you go ahead with peace of mind knowing that, you know, the insurer will not just retract the law. Any penalties if you reason, don't right? use that log? Any penalties if you talk to the hospital and for whatever reason uh you not decide that I'm aware of. Okay, okay. Not that I'm aware of. Okay, yeah. Okay. But yeah, as I mentioned, if you gotta do it, uh, I, I doubt anyone will say, uh, okay, let me think about it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, many, many factors come into consideration before you go under the knife, so you never know. Uh, if you wanted to downgrade your IP, here's another question for you, Elijah. Mm-hmm. If you want to sure. downgrade your Integrated Shield plan, and then you realize that, hey, you know, you may have suffered some illnesses after you signed up for your plan. Will it affect your ability to then downgrade? Okay, the good news is that downgrading uh, actually in general does not reduce your coverage. So uh, let me give a very simple example. So uh, most downgrades are actually performed without medical underwriting. So let's say you've gotten a private hospital plan, 
okay, uh, when you were in your thirties, and then uh, after that, now you are in your sixties, and you find that for some reason um, the premiums may are not quite what you like. You like to downgrade, but at this at the same time, you've already say developed a chronic condition as you mentioned. So say maybe kidney disease. Okay, mm-hmm. so you need your dialysis, and 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 then you want to conserve your funds for the dialysis and stuff like that. Now, if you downgrade from private to say government award, okay you are still covered if, let's say, you need to be admitted due to some complication arising from kidney disease. And as I mentioned, this kidney disease was, say, maybe diagnosed when you were 50. Mm -hmm. Okay, so no issues to downgrade. Mm -hmm. The issue comes with upgrade because uh, we can look at it this way. If you are downgrading, the Mm -hmm. insurance liability actually gets reduced. The insurance potential liability actually gets reduced because the claims they pay out will now be lesser because you're downgrading. Now, if you're upgrading, let's say your coverage was, say, half a million a year and you're upgrading from A1 to private where the coverage is not one million a year, the insurance potential liability will have increased. They may potentially end up paying more and that's why upgrading always comes with medical underwriting. Mm-hmm. So downgrading is never an issue, especially if, let's say, you already you know cover extended uh, rates and no, no exclusions or that. Mm-hmm. You downgrade. No problem. Really no problem. Even if something developed after you bought your, your plan. But mm-hmm. if something developed after you bought a plan and you're looking to upgrade, that's where the challenge, there'll be a challenge, I would say. Got it. I would say there'll be a challenge. Yeah. Okay. So um, this question is for people who uh, are in the small pocket of Singaporeans. I think about 70% of people already have an integrated shield plan, but there is still a pocket of people who don't. So this question is for them. Many people hmm. may be afraid of uh, declaring their health issues because they're afraid they'll be excluded from insurance coverage for example, they've just found out they have high cholesterol, their LDL oh. levels are through the roof, they're walking time bombs. Uh, can that lead you to being denied sort of health coverage? Okay, this really depends on the, the, the condition in question, right? So I would say that in general, um, we talk about existing conditions, pre-existing conditions, right? Of course, uh, you do have to declare them, when, especially when applying for any kind of insurance. It's not, it's not just health, even critical illness, death, TBD. You do have to declare them and let the underwriters make an assessment. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I'm not an underwriter. I don't have the underwriting guidelines. Mm-hmm. Some cases may even go to reinsurance level, mm-hmm. yeah, especially if it's complex. But ultimately, you do have to declare uh, conditions that have developed um, when you apply. So, okay, what kind of conditions would normally warrant a, a declaration? And, and this is not exhaustive by any means but for example uh, if you have elevated cholesterol levels just declare them usually there will be a question to prompt you and, and we do understand I would say insurers do understand that, that the typical um, Singaporean or whoever's applying is, is not a doctor so we can't um, know everything that we should or should not declare and that is why there is that whole list of questions when you're applying to help to kind of like trigger you to see that, oh, do I have this or do I have that? Right. And follow that list of questions and just answer it truthfully. Mm. Please do not under-declare. Please do not uh, intentionally go and omit uh, anything. You know, if, if you didn't know or you have no clue, it's probably a no, but if you know something and it was asked and it's supposed to be yes, you say no, uh, that's, that's a no-go, right? Mm-hmm. So, so just declare and actually... You'll be pleased to note that actually even elevated cholesterol isn't as much of an issue as it was in the past, especially when it comes to, say, okay, critical illness cover. Mm. If you're just slightly elevated, you're not on medication. I, I wouldn't say that this is a sweeping statement, but you can generally expect to still get coverage for, say, critical illness. Right. The most stringent um, underwriting guidelines would generally apply to hospitalization plans, mm. which is why we always say 
they also covered before anything happens. It's, it's meant to be a preventive thing. Insurance mm-hmm. is not a reactive thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like when you see a doctor, when you're sick, you fall sick already, but the doctor can still kill you. Now, if you fell sick and you want to apply for insurance and it's something, say, chronic, uh, as I mentioned, uh, it's meant to be preventive. You you are likely to face uh, uh, challenges getting coverage. I wouldn't say it's impossible, mm. but you face a challenge. Mm-hmm. So usually, when someone comes to me on the blue and says, uh, I like to get coverage, and I know I've talked to this person before, mm. and I'm like, why are you suddenly asking about this now? <laughs> usually, their next sentence is something along the lines of, oh, I went for a checkup and I discovered this. Mm. And that point is too late. Yeah. It's too late in the sense that, not that you cannot apply, but, you know, it's something you definitely now have to mm. declare moving forward. Get it while you're healthy. We hear you loud and yep. clear, Elijah. Um, yep. So I'm going to raise another question that I think keeps people up at night sometimes. We know it's important to fully disclose and be absolutely truthful at the beginning of, you know, when you're signing up for any sort of insurance policy. That just goes without saying. But how far back are you supposed to go? Are you supposed to declare your tonsils were out when you were four? Okay, uh, this is, um, okay, there's there's no clear uh, rule on this, but I will say that uh, in general, if you do remember an incident, for example, just declare it, okay? Now, um, for, for whether anyone can remember that their tonsils were removed at the age of four when they are 50 years old, I highly doubt it. But in general, insurers are very concerned about uh, things that are chronic, okay? This, this is a general rule. So, uh, if, for example, you had a normal cold, like I just did, right? I, I, I just come from a cold, mm-hmm. and you saw a doctor, you took some medications, you recovered. Now, no one's going to expect that you're going to remember that you had a cold, uh, a cold for a week, five years down the road. But if you are having something chronic, uh, for example, I think the best way would be, for example, if you keep getting admitted or you keep having issues with, say, your gastric, and you, you have gastric episodes, say, once every few months, okay, that's probably something that's a bit more chronic and warrants, first thing, a declaration. Second thing, uh, for your own sake, you might want to investigate further. But uh, I would say that chronic issues are, are the ones that insurers are generally are worried about. So oh, okay. if you okay. have an acute episode, so for example, mm. uh, let's say kidney stones, okay, you had a episode of kidney stones where you were in primary school and you were water and uh, you had the kidney stones removed and flushed out by drinking water or something and, and that was like 50 years ago and if you can't remember, yeah. I don't really think anyone's going to fault you but if you do, just mm. declare it. Now, of course, if the episode was more recent, like I, I recently had a client mm. uh, who's looking to get a critical illness plan and she actually had a small procedure in 2021 to remove something called a slivery gland stone and actually that's a very minor procedure mm-hmm. but of course, it happened so recently, just declare it. Okay, mm. She has the discharge summary and all that and anyway, she's fully recovered so I don't see uh, that as an issue but you still got to declare because it was quite recent and you know if you remember it just declare it now some insurance also will have guidelines so uh, some insurance actually say that in the past five years you know and, and you take that as a guideline that you know if it's something that happened in the past five years try to recall if, if the question applied to you and declare it if it's beyond the, the five year mark I will say that you know that's that's where uh, if you can't remember I don't really think anyone's going to fault you I, I feel that, you know, if, especially with the acute incident that happened more than five years ago and you recovered, yeah, it's probably not chronic, not something that uh, we would be too worried about. But if you do remember, just declare. I have a couple of uh, really tough questions for you sure. coming up. I love how game you are, but I think I'll save it for, for another show so we don't wear you out because I know you've got a bad throat and I want you to recover, okay. Elijah. <laughs> so next time, next time. 
We'll talk about uh, the remaining questions that we have. No problem. Uncommon and common questions to do with your IP. Elijah Lee is Senior Financial Services Manager from Philips Securities. Get well soon, Elijah. I will. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.